Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Live from New York, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from New York and welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Israeli Defense Forces have raided Gaza in tanks, edging another step closer to the invasion they promised will come and come hard. Already, Hamas says that 7,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli strikes since the terror attacks of October the 7th. Prime Minister Netanyahu says that many terrorists are dead, and this is just the beginning, but the devastating reality is that countless more innocent people will be dying, and it's only the beginning of that too. 224 Israelis are still held captive by Hamas. Gaza is on the brink of a humanitarian catastrophe. Now fury and grief is rippling across the entire region. President Erdogan of Turkey today accused the West of turning a blind eye to Muslim blood after launching this shocking defence of Hamas. Hamas is not a terrorist organisation, but a group of liberators and mujahideen fighting to protect their land and their citizens. No, it is a terrorist organisation. That's indisputable, especially now. Well, the stakes here couldn't be higher. I support Israel's mission to eradicate Hamas. They're a bloodthirsty medieval bunch of terrorists who've done irreparable harm to the Palestinian cause. But Israel has yet to explain how it can take out Hamas without killing many more innocent people in the process. It's yet to explain what it will do with Gaza if it somehow succeeds in getting rid of Hamas. If anything, much of Gaza is left at all. It's yet to explain how it can defend itself without breeding a whole new generation of hatred and resentment, which now threatens stability across the Middle East. There have been ugly scenes on the streets of major Western cities, including London and New York, with vile anti-Semitism and pro-Hamas protests. Meanwhile, many Muslims and supporters of Palestine are furious at what they see as a vicious double standard. It's hard to see how this gets any better before it gets a hell of a lot worse. And here in America, yet more tragedy overnight. At least 18 people are dead after a mass shooter with a history of mental health problems went on the rampage in Maine. When that news broke last night, it struck me there are some uncomfortable parallels with the debate about Israel. I looked at the photograph of the shooter in open-mouthed revulsion. I saw a killer prowling suburban streets with a weapon of war, of war. But I was reminded that many Americans look at the same photograph and see a weapon that could potentially save their families' lives in a country that's awash with guns. One image, one gut-wrenching tragedy, two intractable positions. And as with Israel, the gun debate isn't my fight. I'm just an outsider looking on in horror. And as with Israel, I don't have all the answers. I just know that somebody needs to find some and find them fast. Well, tonight I'm joined now by the former Prime Minister of Israel, Naftali Bennett. Mr Bennett, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Um, I want to start by playing you a clip of Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, obviously your successor as Prime Minister. This is what he said about what he sees as the mission uh, involving Hamas. Sorry. Can any deal be done that doesn't involve sitting across a table with Hamas? I've met several times with Hamas leadership, and I think they are willing to accept... My apologies, uh, Mr Bennett, we played the wrong clip there. I think... Uh, have we got the right clip? 
Yeah, we're just going to play the right one. My apologies. Hamas militants are doomed above the earth, underground, within Gaza, and outside of Gaza. We already eliminated thousands of uh, terrorists, and this is but the beginning. At the same time, we're getting prepared for the ground invasion. I will not tell you how, when, and how much. Mr. Petty, first question, I guess. Do, do you think he was right to say that you've eliminated thousands of terrorists? Uh, Hamas is claiming, and we have to take their figures at their word, and I'm not sure how credible they are, but they're claiming 7,000 Palestinians have died since October the 7th. But we don't know how many of those are terrorists and how many are completely innocent civilians, do we? Well, Israel and uh, the IDF always uh, target uh, the Hamas terrorists. Uh, yes, sometimes the Hamas terrorists use civilians as uh, human shields, but I wouldn't uh, trust Hamas's... Uh, statements uh, as we saw just uh, a few days ago uh, it was islamic jihad who shot a rocket at a gazan hospital hamas claimed it was israel the whole world uh, echoed that for about 24 hours until it turned out that it's a total lie and it indeed was islamic jihad so i i wouldn't assign too much weight to their words especially given that they're a group of uh, rapists and murderers so why would you trust them no, no, I, I completely concur that you don't have to take their figures uh, just because they say these are the figures. But what is clear is a lot of civilians, innocent people, uh, as well as, I presume, some terrorists, have been killed so far by the Israeli uh, uh, response with the airstrikes. It's clear also that a major ground invasion will massively increase the number of innocent people who die. And I've asked this question to a lot of guests in the last three weeks. I'll ask it to you. What is a proportionate response... Because people are already saying, look, 1,500 people in Israel were killed. It was barbaric. It was evil. It was an act of horrible terrorism. But if 7,000 people, or several thousand, and whatever the correct number is, have already been killed in Palestine, what is the number which becomes unpalatable even for people on the Israeli side? So it's not about uh, proportionality to what happened. It's about preventing what will happen. What we've realized is that we have a ISIS state on our border. Uh, people who will rape, murder, dismember bodies, kill babies from point blank. So it's not about what happened, it's about the future. How do we uh, protect and defend Israel? There's only one way, total eradication of Hamas. So it, when you think about proportionality, it's not about uh, the, the numbers, it's about how we get them out. But I will say, uh, Piers, that IDF is uh, very focused on uh, preventing unnecessary deaths. That's why we went out of our way, according to international law, and we allowed roughly 800,000 Gazans from northern Gaza to evacuate away from harm's way. So in the, the theater of operations, is, as uh, has been already made public, is going to be primarily northern Gaza. And we're allowing ample time, giving precaution, warning, you know, bending over backwards to reduce the amount of uh, civilian casualties. But what happens to those 800,000 Gazans if all their homes are completely destroyed? What do they come back to? Do they come back? If they can't come back, where do they go? Where do they live? Look, uh, Israel's responsibility is not to provide housing and uh, high quality of lives to an enemy state. I don't recall 
America or Britain uh, asking those questions about Japan or Germany during World War II. Uh, our goal is to minimize civilian casualties, but our main goal is to eradicate ISIS-Hamas. That's the main goal. Now, we w in the southern part, which is sort of the safe haven area, or we've created safe haven corridors, we are allowing anyone to provide water, food, and medicine in uh, safe haven corridors. So we're about protecting lives. The fact that uh, thousands of uh, Gazan and Hamas citizens and uh, uh, terrorists went in and raped and killed Israelis, yes, it has meaningful consequences that they brought about themselves. I also want to point out uh, that contrary to what people think, there were also many Gazan civilians that entered uh, Israel and just horrible things. For example, we, we have uh, evidence uh, in, in videos of uh, civ Gazan civilians coming out and saying, that girl, we don't want to murder, keep her for rape. I want to rape her, that one we murder, that one we take hostage. So it's, you know, the, the notion that Hamas is totally divorced from um, the massive public support of Gazans is untrue. Having said that, we still are going out of our way to allow uh, the citizens away from harm's way. Queen Rania of Jordan uh, was very vocal this week, gave a very impassioned interview in which she accused Israel of being an apartheid regime, uh, said that there's always a distinction in the West between Israel's right to self-defence against any right of Palestinians to self-defence, which is always categorised as terrorism. She said that whilst what happened October the 7th was savagely barbaric, why is that terminology never used about what Israel does to Palestinians. What was your reaction to Queen Rania and that interview? She totally lied and uh, said the simply wrong and uh, reprehensible things. Let's, let's undo the, unpack this. She talks about apartheid. Let's talk about apartheid. There's about a million and a half Israeli Arabs. They vote in the elections. They have one ballot like I do. There's uh, uh, over a dozen Arab members of Knesset. Uh, we have Arab Supreme Court judges. So we, we have Arabs even serving, uh, some of them in the military. They enjoy full equal rights in Israel. So saying that Israel is an apartheid state simply has nothing to do with the facts. If she wants to bring some facts to substantiate her, her lies, I challenge her. Bring me facts that show that Israel is apartheid. A. B. Regarding the uh, barbarism and savagery of, uh, of Hamas, Israel never in our 75-year history did anything near what they did. I, I want to explain. I, I today spoke to a family, the Zach family. The parents and the younger brother were, were murdered. They were waiting in the shelter, and the, the, the sister, uh, uh, Hadar, was not there. She told me that the, the dad was holding the shelter handle so the terrorists can't come in. What the terrorists did, they burnt the whole house and suffocated the mom, the dad, and young uh, brother Sagi. His only comfort was they found Sagi and his mom hugged on the bed in the shelter as they were suffocating. This is something that no, no decent person would ever do. So shame on Queen Renaya. Shame on her. Uh, and, and the fact that she can say these blatant lies is simply deplorable. Many people... Uh... In Israel, 80%, I think, in the latest poll, believe that Benjamin Netanyahu should express some personal responsibility and apology 
for the catastrophic failure of security and defence on October the 7th. You have now said publicly that you feel responsible for what happened on your watch as Prime Minister, which may have contributed to the failings. Why has Benjamin Netanyahu not done the same, and should he? You'd need to ask him. Uh, I don't want to stand here and criticize the, Israel's Prime Minister. I may have uh, profound uh, differences and, and uh, thoughts, but I have a habit where I don't criticize uh, Israeli leaders during war and certainly not in international press. But there's no doubt it was a catastrophic failure, and he is the guy at the top. If you had been Prime Minister, which you were several years ago, and this had happened on your watch, would you have resigned? I don't want to go into, into that because, again, it's uh, domestic Israeli politics. Uh, I have my set of uh, ethics and standards that I adhere to for all my life. You have to uh, send all these questions to Prime Minister Netanyahu. We've got a war to win. Both uh, President Biden and, indeed, Queen Rania and many others are saying that the only way this gets resolved is politically, with people getting around a table. I think it's pretty clear that cannot be done as long as Hamas are in charge of Gaza. And certainly uh, depends if there's any Hamas left at, this, at the end of this ground invasion anyway. Um, you said in June 2013 the following. Uh, you said, I have a friend who's got shrapnel in his rear end and he's been told it could be removed surgically, but it would leave him disabled. So he decided to live with it. There are situations where insisting on perfection can lead to more trouble than it's worth. And your quote, which became known as shrapnel in the butt, quickly became widely known as your view of the Palestinian problem, and you've always been resolutely opposed to a two-state solution. Do you think that kind of rhetoric helps? And do you not think now that the only way out of this, actually, is to have a two-state solution? I uh, totally disagree. I think uh, what people don't realise, and I think that you gave me a good opportunity now, Piers, to emphasise, we provided the Palestinians with a full-blown Palestinian state in Gaza. In 2005, since I think most of your viewers do not know this, Israel pulled out of Gaza, pulled out all its soldiers, pulled out all the Israelis living there, 8,000 Israelis, handed the keys to the Palestinian Authority. There was no siege, no blockade, nothing. And they had the opportunity to turn their state into Singapore. And from the very first moment, Piers, they began shooting rockets, firing rockets at our towns. Since then, we've had tens of thousands of rockets from the very Gaza that we evacuated. So they had the full opportunity and they blew it. We did the same thing in Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank. In, during Oslo Accords, we handed, we pulled out of, of all the major cities, Ramallah, Nablus, Hebron, Janin gave the keys to the uh, PA, and what we got from year 2000 and on was uh, a barrage of suicide attacks in Tel Aviv and in Haifa and Jerusalem. So what I've learned, I'm a very simple guy. I look at the facts, and by the way, all Israelis, the overwhelming majority of Israelis agree. Every time we hand land over to them, give them the responsibility and the keys, they turn it into a terror base against us. So how stupid can we be to try this failed approach for the fourth and fifth time? We need a different approach. And I don't want to govern the Palestinians. I have no desire. Most Israelis do, do not desire to govern them. So make no mistake. But 
Certainly, we cannot allow them to have any arms, any army, any terror organization. And the first and foremost thing that prevents peace is having Hamas. So there's no way to even imagine uh, peace as long as Hamas exists on uh, this territory. Naftali Bennett, thank you very much indeed for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored, live from New York City. Masab Hassan Youssef knows Hamas better than anybody else. He's spent many years in Israeli jails because of his links to the terror group, and those links could hardly be more direct. His father, Sheikh Hassan Youssef, was one of Hamas's founding leaders. Well, Masab ultimately flipped on Hamas while in Israeli custody, he spied for Israel. His intelligence is said to have prevented suicide bombings and other attacks. He's now an American citizen after claiming asylum and a converted Christian. But he's watching events in Gaza with barely concealed fury from his now undisclosed uh, location. And he has a chilling warning for Palestinians in this interview we recorded earlier. And I'm joined now by Mossab uh, Hassan Youssef. Uh, Mossab, great to see you. Um, it's an extraordinary story, yours. Uh, you were the eldest son of a man who was one of the co-founders of Hamas. And indeed, for your early formative years, you worked alongside your, your father. So you got a great insight into Hamas. Tell me this from the start. What were the intended plans for Hamas when it was founded, when it started, when it developed? What was the plan? You know, since its establishment, uh, Hamas uh, has one goal in mind which is annihilating the state of Israel. Like the best, let's say, compromise that they could do is having a truce for 15 years, a ceasefire for 15 years as maximum, you know, but with no guarantee how they will act after. It's absurd. Uh, it's not a secret that Hamas wants to destroy the state of Israel. They cannot accept Israel or accept uh, Israel's right to exist. What was the point uh, that you decided to get out of there, to, to flee this world, this environment you've been brought up in? You know, I, I, have, I have many reasons. Since I was a child, I asked my father many questions about Hamas delusions, about their brutality, about their abuse of power. And always he justified, you know, their uh, position. Then I was imprisoned with Hamas. I spent about 27 months in Israeli prisons where Hamas was torturing 
their own members, our own people within Israeli prisons. They killed actually and tortured hundreds of prisoners. Uh, and this is when I start asking myself the question, what if Hamas become the ruler at some point? What will they do to our people? And uh, many years later, Hamas became the ruler of Gaza. And uh, I wasn't surprised uh, by their br uh, brutality. When you heard what happened on October the 7th, what was your feeling about that? Look, as I told you, I'm not surprised by Hamas brutality, but I was surprised by the scale of their attack. You know, not to this degree, wiping out entire communities, you know, messing with a nuclear power, the most powerful country in the region, a country with a, a trauma, great trauma from the past, with a, a memory of a Holocaust and uh, all the Nazis did in the past century. You, they opened uh, the gates of hell on the Palestinian people. This is how irresponsible this group people are, you know, that they are willing to actually sacrifice many Palestinian children, the entire Palestinian people, and use them as a fuel to just achieve their ideological uh, agendas, their religious agendas. They are careless. They don't care for the human life. We have to separate between what so-called Palestinian cause and Hamas cause. Hamas cause is a sick one. It's coming from the pit of hell, you know, and they need to be removed uh, from power. This is my message. As an ex-Hamas member, as a son of one of Hamas founders, that enough of this. If we don't stop them now, the next war is going to be deadlier. And only God knows what will happen next if Hamas is not finished as soon as possible. Mossab, how many regular Palestinians, particularly in Gaza, do you think sympathize with Hamas or indeed fully support them? You know, once Hamas is removed from power, we're going to witness people celebrating in Gaza. I guarantee you that. Mm. The people of Gaza are oppressed for so long and they had to endure siege, they had to endure violence, many wars uh, uh, for the sake of Hamas' uh, uh, lust for power mm. and for Hamas' political ambition. When this comes to an end, I promise you that the Palestinian people, first of all, will thank Israel for what they did. Second, the uh, idea of annihilating the Jews and the state of Israel will be dropped forever. You know, because Hamas is the, you can say, the last experiment uh, of uh, adapting violence, trying to annihilate and destroy the state of Israel. This didn't work for Yasser Arafat. It took him 40 years to realize this. Mm -hmm. And Hamas has been trying for 35 years to destroy Israel. Finally, I hope that they will come to this understanding that Israel is going nowhere. If they insist on annihilating Israel, and of course, if Iran keeps on insisting uh, on this goal, this means the destruction of the entire region. This is the only uncertain outcome of this, because Israel is going nowhere. How do we get to peace from here? You know, this time, I'm afraid that war is the only way to peace, uh, because 
if Hamas is not removed from power, uh, then they will uh, build more military. They will build uh, longer uh, range missiles. And the next attack, the next war is going to be deadlier. The use of force is the last resort. You can find this in every culture. And unfortunately, now Hamas left Israel and the free world as well with no choice. Uh, but to fight them and put an end for their violence. Uh, many civilians are dying. I understand this. Their blood is on the hands of Hamas and Hamas only. You see, it's interesting you say that because a lot of pro-Palestinians who I've had on the show in the last two weeks don't accept that argument. They say the blood of the civilians in Gaza is exclusively on the hands of Israel and that Israel's waged uh, a repressive occupation for many decades. Um, there's been a prison camp for Gazans for a long, long time, and that that has created the environment through which a terror group like Hamas can thrive and indeed win an election, as they did in 2005. Do you buy into any of that? I mean, do you think that Israel has overreacted already to what happened to them? Their argument is... What is proportion when you have a terror attack like that on your people? Look, since my childhood, uh, and I am hearing the stories from pro-Palestine and from those who are using what's so-called the Palestinian cause, they care the least for the Palestinian children and their future. You know, I, I am the legit, uh, legitimate representative of the Palestinian children. The child within me speaks I don't want somebody coming from London or somebody coming from the other side of the world to tell me what is the struggle of the Palestinian children. The Palestinian children, the Palestinian society has been hijacked by these criminals. And anybody who takes side, their side is participating in their crime. This is my answer to those people. And for the civilian casualties, etc., you know, First of all, Hamas is using, and it's very clearly, it's a fact that Hamas used civilians as human shields. It's a fact. Then it's a fact that Israel call and warn civilians to evacuate buildings before they strike them. But in the meantime, Hamas put roadblocks to stop civilians from evacuating to safe zones. Hamas single misfire killed hundreds of refugees taking shelter at a hospital, and they blamed Israel. What are we talking about here? Israel is a democracy. Israel is accountable. Israel is not thirsty for the Palestinian blood. In the meantime, Israel is capable of wiping out Arab capitals in seconds. Why Israel does not attempt to abuse its power? But why, when the Arabs have just a little bit of power, a couple of missiles, they misuse power by launching them at civilians and kill them in their living rooms. We have a fundamental problem and we need to stop blaming Israel. We invited this upon our heads and the rest of the world. If they don't know the reality on the ground, it's better that they shut up. Mossab, your passion uh, and your anger is very palpable here and certainly very different to most of the pro-Palestinian voices I've had. And you know, I sense the Palestinian plight of its people is very much in your heart. Do you still have contact with, with any of your family? This is irrelevant right now. I don't have any contact with my family and I don't care anymore. 
you know, enough bloodshed and enough involvement from people who don't care. They're just uh, warriors on keyboard, you know, and they're just storming uh, world capitals saying free Palestine, free Palestine. They don't know what the hell Palestine is. I am Palestine. And I say it's enough of Hamas. It's enough of the corrupt leaderships that they are killing our people, misleading them to hell is enough of that. We don't want Palestinian state. I don't want Palestinian state. Palestinian children need education. They need security. They need life. This is what they need. They don't need another corrupt Arab regime. Is it possible to get rid of Hamas in the way that Israel is currently trying to do through uh, airstrike bombardments and, and it is planned now an imminent ground invasion? Is that the best way to do it? Or is there a danger of radicalizing a lot more young Palestinians to the Hamas cause in the process. Listen to this. We are going to remove Hamas from power. Remember my words, okay? And Hamas did not only bring the wrath of Israel over Gaza. Hamas brought the wrath of God. We are going to remove them from power and we are going to persecute their leaders and we are going to bring them, bring them to justice. And the world will witness their punishment. And everyone who, who take their side today in this state of confusion, thinking that this is a joke, I tell those people that you are going to regret taking the side of Hamas. You are going to, take the, to regret taking the side of those criminals who are uh, killing uh, the Palestinian people. Mossab, you were born in Ramallah. That's your home. Do you dream of going home? One day, is that something you still aspire to do? I prefer not to ask to answer this question. I understand. Mossab, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Um, it's it's extraordinary to hear your story, and it's uh, a remarkable pitch that you make to the people of Palestine, and it's one that um, they will hear and will see their reaction. But I appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored, live from New York City. I'm joined now by my PAC, the founder of the community-based Palestinian-led organisation within our lifetime, Nadine Kizwani, former Conservative MP Louise Mensch and the broadcaster Emily Austin. All right, uh, let's try and keep things civilised, shall we? Um, Nadine, I, I guess for you, two things. Um, you were born in Jordan. You just told me off air. You're an American citizen, but very much a Palestinian in your heart, obviously, and your blood. What did you make, first of all, before I get to what, um, what Mossab Youssef was saying, what did you make of Queen Rania's comments as the Queen of Jordan about all this? You know, I believe that all Arab leaders um, can take a stronger stance in support of Palestinian liberation, particularly considering that, you know, the entire... The, the citizens of Jordan, most Jordanians, support Palestine. If anything, actually, most um, people who live in Jordan are... Palestinian descendants that have been ethnically cleansed from their land and ended up as refugees in Jordan, just like my family did. Um, and so I believe that, you know, uh, Jordan and, and all these Arab countries should stand unequivocally with the people of Palestine even stronger now. And Mossad Youssef there, I mean, it's an extraordinary interview with a guy whose father was a founder of, of Hamas. He's absolutely clear that he believes you've got to get rid of Hamas and then there can be peace and there can be what people want there. Do you agree with him? 
I believe if you want to stop Palestinian resistance, you're going to have to kill every single Palestinian. Because regardless of whether... What if you want to stop Hamas terrorism? I believe any form of resistance Palestinians take is going to be called terrorism. But terrorism isn't resistance if you actually commit an act of terrorism. How can Palestinians defend themselves in a way that isn't considered terrorism? Well, I'll give you the difference, which was argued... Actually, uh, Gary Kasparov, the chess uh, legend, today articulated what he saw was the difference. On October the 7th, hundreds of terrorists invade a country, Israel, and they brutally rape, assault, murder... Uh, set on fire innocent civilians. That is, by any yardstick, an act of appalling terrorism. Israel responds with what they say are targeted airstrikes at places they believe Hamas are hiding in Gaza. That's disputable, I get that, but that's what they say. They are qualitatively different. The, the death toll may not be different, but the intention of what is going on is different. And that's exactly what happened in Deir Yassin in 1948, where people were raped, where villages were pillaged, on fire, bombed at Tantura, where Palestinians had to dig their own graves before they were shot into it. May I England me? started, just to finish this point, England orchestrated this genocide. So I'm actually happy that, you know, both of you are here. Um, we well, I'm Irish, resisted, for the record, but anyway. you know, but... Uh, you know, but you're, you have a lot of reach there. Um, so we resisted when there was the British occupation, and we will continue to resist any occupation that exists in Palestine. All right, let me bring in Emily. I, uh, I just want to ask you a question. So last we left it, you did refuse to uh, condemn Hamas murdering Israelis on October 7th, and it seems as if nothing has changed. But I couldn't help but to think, do you, all, do you condemn 9-11? That's such a ridiculous question. No, it's a question. yes or no. This it's is yes an interrogation no. of it's a, yes I'm a New no. York Well, actually, it's a, it's it's a simple yes question. Of no. course. No, uh, it's a, of Can course, you stop deflecting questions? She said, of course. Ridiculous. So what is, I said, of course. What is the difference between Israel's 9-11? I'm not here to... Is she the it's interviewer or are you? Actually, it's she's raising... I think, I think the point she's making, unless I'm wrong, is if you condemn that, why won't you condemn what happened? Because that was Israel's 9-11. I'm not here to answer her questions because Can you ask her that for me? Let me well, we did this last her. week. I will now ask yeah. what Emily just asked. It's actually a valid question. It's Israel's 9-11. If you're happy to publicly condemn 9-11... Why are you not happy to condemn Israel's 9-11? In fact, it was a lot worse, statistically. 9-11 is Palestine's 24-7. That's completely... So what? Let me bring in Louise. Absurd. Let me bring in Louise here. Um, I found it really shocking, I have to say, that your organisation within our lifetime said that it was an act of resistance on October the 7th. I mean, that is the most un-Islamic thing I've ever heard in my life, tying the hands of little children behind them, covering them in petrol and then burning them alive. Please tell me, what is resistance about such inhumane torture of kids. Since you want to bring up Islam, in Islam we believe that the bloodshed of any innocent person is equal to killing all of humanity. Um, and this is something that, you know, we believe. Unfortunately, uh, Palestinians are put in a situation where they're in an open-air prison. What we were celebrating that day is them breaking out of that open-air prison. I don't understand how the world expects is one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons why you're not so keen to condemn what Hamas did on October the 7th because you're fearful of publicly doing that. Are all Palestinians fearful of speaking out against Hamas, actually? Because there's a very reason, very good reason to be fearful. 
No, there's no reason to be fearful. My life is not, if anything, you know, living in New York City my whole life. There are many Zionist institutions, including the universities that I attended, um, and campaigns against me for being pro-Palestinian, mm -hmm. including putting my face um, on trucks to drive around Midtown and Times Square for two weeks um, just this summer, calling me a jihadi. So Man, that's what not, I'm fearful of. It's not because of. you're pro-Palestine. It's because you're pro-murder. There's a big yep. difference. Absolutely. We are all pro-Palestinian liberation from a terrorist group called Hamas. Mm -hmm. Apparently everyone here, but you. What about from the Apparently occupation? Most... Are you pro-Palestinian liberation from the occupation, you the siege, and the blockade? You want to talk you about occupation? You keep asking me questions. I am asking but you're questions. Changing because the topic the one time I ask you're you a question. You're pro-murder. Right. No, I, 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 I tell you what, Emily, I'll allow that. You, you, you have asked her question. She can ask you. Go ahead. Go on. I just question? asked, do you support Palestinian liberation from the from siege and blockade There's and the no occupation? That's factually incorrect. How can I talk no, to somebody no who doesn't even accept basic The United fact. Nations partition plan divided the land. You waged the war. You what lost it. What does that have to do with the fact I'm that there's a 17-year siege and blockade? There. If one, no Emily, what I would say about that, one country, if one country, in this case Israel, is able to turn on and off the tap of water and power so and food for the people of Gaza... That is not a healthy situation. You can call it what you like. You can mm -hmm. call it occupation. You can call it repression. You can call it control. But that, surely, when they talk about freedom for Palestine, what they mean is we're not reliant on Israel giving us water, food and energy so we can actually exist. Correct, and I'm happy you brought up that point because they want their own territory. They want their own government, governmental body. So when we pulled out in 2005, 2006, why couldn't they establish that for themselves? Why are we giving electricity and water to begin with? And my question is, where is the hundreds of millions of dollars of aid being sent directly to Palestine, directly to Gaza? Where is that money going? But it was a uh, rhetorical well, question. Well, actually, it's a question I've got. towards rockets. It's a question. $600 a rocket, over $500 million. Well, I would raise a different point, actually. I'll raise let me raise this with, with Louise. More, NBC News, more than 80% of Gaza's population live in poverty, poverty, according to the UN. We can all agree that. But Hamas has an investment portfolio of real estate and other assets worth half a billion dollars yeah. and an annual military budget of $350 million. Sounds like a lot of electricity. One, one of the most disgusting things about this entire period of time has been watching Hamas leaders sitting in Doha, in Qatar, in their five-star hotels, telling poor Palestinian civilians, do not evacuate, do not listen to the IDF, do not get out of these areas that are being bombed, and preventing them from leaving. That is a war crime. Nadine, are you, those, those are you comfortable with that? Head. No, that's totally untrue, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up, because Naftali also spoke at it earlier when he talked about how they gave the order to evacuate the north, and we all know that they gave this evacuation order um, to Gaza on October 13, and what did they do? When people, when they told them there's going to be safe passage on this road for them to evacuate, they bombed that there passage. Has there, is no word, there, there has no been zero word. There's no word for that evidence. other than That's not been verified. There's, now you're conspiracy theorists as well. Okay, yeah. and there's a lot of things okay. um, that Zionists have, are doing that are, that are killing Palestinians, like Biden saying yesterday that the number of Palestinians that have been killed may not be true. When we, when the Palestinian Ministry of Health had to come out and release a PDF 231 pages of the names and the ID numbers of every single I think the point he was making is, look, I, I wouldn't believe the word of a terrorist on anything, right? You don't yep. see them as terrorists, I do. I want to talk about Palestinian lives, because you can't be selective. 40% of Hamas rockets backfire and kill innocent civilians. The is that outrage, verified? It is verified. And I will, I will provide the source right after the show. Quote me on it. It is verified. And secondly, Palestinian outrage about civilians is very selective. When the alleged Israeli army allegedly killed five 
500 hospital victims. Um, mm -hmm. When they found out it was the Islamic Jihad, where was the outrage for these children They didn't find out it was then? Islamic Jihad Oh, they either. did. It's no, confirmed. No, it is not confirmed. confirmed. So you want to be a fact no, denier? Do you want to, you want to talk about one hospital? How many hospitals, how many health care facilities have been bombed by Israel? By I, don't need to focus, I don't need to focus on one selective. particular You're hospital. You're very selective Churches, about Palestinian UN lies. shelters. We know this for a fact. Are you bothered that they lied? Are you bothered that the Hamas? Uh, uh, I'm bothered that your government. I'm bothered it? that your government that you used to represent and that the U.S. government. Yes, of course. What kind of question is that? I'm it's devastated that question. seven thousand Palestinians are murdered. I'm beyond 40 sad. percent. I'm of devastated. Hamas and I'm devastated that I pay taxes to the government that is doing that. You can you leave. You can go back to Gaza. Well, can I go to Gaza? You can, can I go? No, I can't. I was actually denied entry to Palestine for over for almost ten years. I was denied mm. entry okay. when I was twenty years old because you know, of my problem. Let me just say something. Views. Time out. Um, I do find these conversations completely gripping. I have to say, because passions are running very high on both sides. I think you both articulate your opinions extremely well. I think they resonate with a lot of people. The last interview that you you both conducted with me has had millions of views. This one will do again. We should keep talking. Right. One of the things through this is to keep talking. In Northern Ireland, where we had appalling terrorism for a long time, eventually we got to a peace settlement yeah. because people just kept talking and leadership came through that actually wanted peace. Yeah, and, and journalism is very important when it comes to this and getting the word yeah. out there and talking. And unfortunately, we know that the family of the Al Jazeera uh, Gaza bureau chief, Wa'il Dahdouh, mm -hmm. was killed. OK. You know, after after they told Qatar to turn down the volume the on Al Jazeera. It, ironically, I have, to, I have to leave it there because I'm going going to talk to a very good friend of Evan Gershkovitz, who's, of course, the Wall Street Journal uh, journalist who's been held captive in Russia. So it's not just in this situation. And happy birthday to Evan. It's yeah, his birthday today, birthday, and I'll be talking to, to his good friend uh, after the break. Thank you, all of you, for coming in. Thank I appreciate you so it. much. Welcome back to Uncensored, live from New York City. Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich celebrated his 32nd birthday today behind bars. The American was detained 211 days ago on charges of espionage, which he, the Wall Street Journal and US government emphatically deny. President Biden's confirmed the US is in discussions with Russia to secure the release of our wrongfully detained colleague. Well, today, on his birthday, I've got some messages, which I'll leave to the end, uh, from some Arsenal legends, uh, because we both support the same football team, and they're two great legends, and I think he'll enjoy that on his birthday if they uh, ever get to be seen by him. And I'm joined now by Evan's close friend, Jeremy Burke. Jeremy, great to see you. Um, a lot of focus today, because it's Evan's birthday. Do we know how he's doing? Do you have any contact with him? Yeah, first off, Piers, thank you for the opportunity to share Evan's story. Um, we're trying to beat the drum as loudly as we can to bring him home. To answer your question specifically, uh, we are able to send letters. Uh, he's able to read them and send them back. Um, however, there is an element of broken telephone as they have to be translated into Russian and they're read by Russian censors to make sure there's nothing in there. Um, but we do know that he's okay. He's the type of person that... If anyone can handle the situation he's in, he's handling it with a brave face. It's, it's a nightmare situation that he's in. Um, he's being held, obviously, against his will on trumped-up charges yeah. of espionage. How do you feel the campaign to get him out is going? Look, you know, we trust that the Biden administration, that Congress, that the State Department is doing everything they can to get him home. Um, as his friend, it's not really my bearing uh, to, to discuss the details and the specifics of the strategy. 
Um, however, we do want to make much more noise, and we want to make sure that, given everything that's going on in the world, that this remains a priority for the federal government, that we consistently keep the focus on Evan to get him home as quickly as possible. That's what, our job. What is clear from journalists at the Wall Street Journal, it's a, it's a paper that's part of the same company that this show is, um, yep. what's clear from all the journalists who, who work with Evan is that he is an outstanding journalist, uh, noted for his diligence, his hard work, uh, his brilliance in the field, his knowledge. Um, the idea that he would be some spy is, frankly, for people who know him, Ridiculous. I mean, you've known him better than most. Yeah. Not only is he an outstanding journalist, Evan is an outstanding friend. Mm -hmm. um, he's an extrovert's extrovert. He has this ability to draw you in when you're talking to him. It's like the rest of the world doesn't matter. And so what makes him such a good friend is what makes him such a good journalist. And so, I believe, uniquely able to tell the Russian story and to communicate that to us at home. Um, you know, I think he is absolutely in prison on these, like you said, trumped-up charges. Uh, Russia has presented really no evidence for them, and he's still even awaiting trial. And so this is just an absolute injustice, and I feel for him every single day. And, of course, what he should be doing is his job, which is reporting on Russia when they're still engaged in this brutal war in Ukraine. That's, that's what he should be doing, right? He's a great correspondent. And I think that's another tragedy of this, is that right at the moment that Russia's at the centre of this huge news story, he's unable to do his job. I think for him, the toughest part is not that he's in prison. I think it's sitting on the sidelines. Right. Perhaps the biggest story of his life, knowing him, he wants to be in there, he wants to be in the fire, so to speak. Um, and I feel for him that he doesn't have the, avail the availability and option to do that. I know you're not an Arsenal fan, <laughs> but I know you're an Arsenal fan by proxy because he used to haul yes. you out of bed to watch games at 6am, maybe even earlier yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I'm an Arsenal nutcase. And, in fact, I was at the Emirates Stadium in London, Arsenal's ground, when they had all the banners uh, for Evan. Yes. Uh, which was great to see, and I remember tweeting them and feeling very proud of the Arsenal fans for supporting one of our own in this uh, dark moment for him. But we've actually, on his birthday, I've got messages. These names will mean nothing yeah, to you. A but bit. they'll mean an awful lot to Evan. Uh, they're from two of the Arsenal Invincibles. It was the year in 2004 that the team went unbeaten, and it's from uh, Martin Keown, defender, Ray Parler, midfielder, two great Arsenal legends. This is their messages for Evan. Happy birthday, Evan. I know that times have been difficult for you this season, but let's hope we can get you back in time to see Arsenal pick up some silverware at the end of the season. Evan, how are you, mate? Ray Parler here. I just want to wish you a very happy birthday, mate. I know you've been struggling recently, but uh, everybody's thinking of you. Uh, and hopefully I'll see you over the Emirates. So you're a big Arsenal fan, so thanks for all the support over the years, mate. Uh, if we can hopefully win that Premier League title this year. I'll see you at the Emirates and we can have a little bit of a party to celebrate their victory. All the best, pal, and happy birthday. Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? To have a party to celebrate Arsenal winning the Premier League and Evans' release and him to be there to watch us do it. Jeremy, great to see you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming in. And you can show your support for Evan online by going to the website freegershkovich.com and on social media by using the hashtags I stand with Evan and free Evan on whatever platforms you use. Happy birthday, Evan. Keep fighting. We'll get you out of there. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.